0: The Moviegoer's Guide to the Future, based on the book Films from the Future, The Technology and Morality of Sci-Fi Movies, and read by the author Andrew Maynard. That's me, by the way. Chapter 14, Looking to the Future. As I'm writing this, I'm looking out over the Firth of Clyde from the Scottish island of Arran. I first came here nearly 34 years ago in 1984, and it's been an occasional getaway for me ever since. Over this time, there have been changes, but the island still has that comfortable feel of a place largely untouched by the frenetic pace of modern innovation. As if to remind me of this, I've been traveling along crumbling roads over the past few days in a rental car that modern automotive technology seems to have completely bypassed while grappling with patchy Wi-Fi and even patchier cell phone coverage. It all feels a long way from the cutting-edge technologies that have threaded through the previous chapters. As an outsider, Aaron still feels to me as if it belongs to a previous age. Take away the intermittent internet and cellular phone systems, and to my off-islander eyes, I could still be in 1984. Yet I find this strangely comforting. Despite sitting here wrapping up a book on the profound changes that emerging technologies are likely to bring about... It gives me hope that there's life outside the frenzied technological pace at which we sometimes seem to be living our collective lives. And it affirms my belief that happiness lies not in the latest technology, but in the more basic things of life like food, shelter, warmth, and good company. Yet there's a part of me that knows that these dreams of a slower, more pleasant past are a sentimental illusion." Much as I enjoyed my few days of potholed roads, rickety transportation and intermittent internet connections, I suspect that there are plenty of permanent residents on Arran who have very different opinions about how things are there. Despite the siren call of nostalgia for a simpler, less technologically complex time, the reality is that emerging technologies, when developed and used responsibly, can and do improve lives in quite profound ways. There are far too many people in today's world who are living disadvantaged lives because they don't have access to technologies that could make them better. And I worry that if we're tempted to start renouncing technologies from a position of privilege, we risk denying too many people without the same privilege the chance to make their own decisions. I would go as far as to say that we have an obligation to explore new ways of using science and technology to improve the world we're living in and the lives that people lead. This is an obligation, though, that comes with some tremendous responsibilities. These include working hard to ensure that the technologies we develop benefit people without harming them. But they also include learning how to live responsibly in a world that, through our own drive to invent and to innovate, is constantly changing. These are tough challenges, and they're ones that is all too easy to leave to experts to grapple with. Yet I fear that this is in itself an abdication of responsibility. Some of the technological challenges we're facing are so profound, so life-changing, that the questions they raise are ones that we cannot afford to leave solely to people like scientists, innovators, and politicians to answer. The reality is that if we want to thrive in the technology-driven future we're creating and we want to equip our children and our children's children to do the same, we all need to be able to wrap our collective heads around what's coming our way and how it might affect us. This is no mean feat, though. It's one that will require a journey of discovery that uncovers the often-hidden links between ourselves and our technologies, and how we can nudge them towards the future we want, rather than the one that someone else decides for us. Through this book, I've set out to show how science fiction movies can help point the way along this journey, flawed as they are. As I've been researching and writing it, I've developed a deeper appreciation of how the movies here can expand our appreciation of the complex relationships between technology and society. Not because they're accurate or prescient, but precisely because they are not tethered to scientific accuracy or to realistic predictions of the future. It's their creativity and, dare I say it, their entertainment value that, when seasoned with feet-on-the-ground thinking, can help us better understand what innovating responsibly means. Yet, for all their usefulness, there are dangers in getting too wrapped up in science fiction movies as we think about the future. Movie makers draw on what we can imagine now based on what we already know. They cannot invent what's yet to be discovered. And in most movies, science and technology are simply devices that are used to keep a human-centric plot moving along. This is precisely why they excel at revealing insights into our relationship with technology. But at the same time it makes them a poor guide to the technology itself, unless, like here, they're used as a stepping-off point for exploring new and emerging developments. There is another danger, though, and this is that without a good dose of scientific facts and social realism, science fiction movies can leave us with a misplaced impression that we're careering towards a hopelessly dystopian technological future and there's not a lot we can do about it. In 1978, the British Broadcasting Corporation first broadcast Douglas Adams' original radio series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The Hitchhiker's Guide quickly gained a cult following and introduced millions of listeners to the fictional guide of the title. In 2005, four years after Adams' death, The Hitchhiker's Guide was given the Hollywood treatment. It wasn't the best movie ever made, truth be told, but with its irreverent look at life in a complex galaxy and an even more complex society, it does provide a fitting bookend for this particular journey. I am... I must confess, a great admirer of the skill with which Adams collectively melded together odds and ends of ideas from very different places to create new ones in his work. He was, of course, well known for his often absurd humour, but beyond the humour, especially in the book and the radio series, The Hitchhiker's Guide provides a remarkably astute commentary on our relationship with technology. More importantly, though, the fictional Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on which the series, book, and film are based has the words DON'T PANIC inscribed in large, friendly letters on its cover. In today's socially and technologically complex world, this is sage advice. Of course, we shouldn't be complacent. Far from it. Without a doubt, there are deep pitfalls on the road before us as we build our technological future. As we've seen in the preceding chapters, there are a multitude of ways in which we can well and truly make a mess of things if we don't think about what we're doing. And yet, I'm optimistic enough to believe that we have the collective ability to develop new technologies in ways that work for us, not against us. And here, don't panic is as good a piece of advice as any. There are, of course, many problems that we cannot solve with technology and science on their own. Just like you can't buy love and happiness with money alone, you simply can't science your way to them either. But if we're smart about it, we can use science and technology to make love and happiness and the many other things that are important to us that much easier to achieve. If we can keep a clear head about us and don't fall prey to panic or become so enamoured by the tech itself that we become blind to its potential downsides, we have a decent chance of building a better future together by developing and using emerging technologies in ways that do more good than harm. Because of this, I feel the words don't panic are particularly apt here. There is, though, another passing resemblance between this book and Adams's fictional Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and this is the way that neither claims to be a comprehensive, infallible, or encompassing guide. Adams's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a sort of lonely planet guide for galactic travellers who are looking for a great time on a low budget, doesn't even pretend that it can reveal and explain the vast complexities of the galaxy to its readers. Instead, it focuses on what galactic hitchhikers really need to know, like how to get from A to B while having a good time, how to avoid getting killed, and where to get the best drinks. This, of course, is a long way removed from this book. Yet, when I started to write it, two things quickly became very clear. The first was that, for most people, what they really want when looking for a guide to the future is something that helps them get from A to B while having a good time, how to avoid getting killed, and where to get the best drinks. The second thing was that no one ever reads an overlong, overweight, and utterly incomprehensible guide. Sadly, this book fails miserably on the where to get the best drinks front, but I'd like to think that the preceding chapters and the movies they're based on have taken you on an interesting journey and one that provides at least a glimpse of how we can work toward creating a technologically sophisticated future while not creating more problems than we solve on the way. That said, much like its galactic counterpart, the book is a very incomplete guide. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of being one of the contributors to the annual list of top 10 emerging technologies published by the World Economic Forum, and I can safely say that out of the 70 emerging technologies we've highlighted to date, there are only a handful that appear here. There are no self-driving cars in this book, and no advanced nuclear reactors. There's no precision medicine or hydrogen-powered vehicles or quantum computing and there is absolutely no mention of blockchain. The reason, of course, is that the world of technological innovation is so vast, so complex, and so fast-moving that any guide that attempted to explain everything would end up achieving nothing. Rather, I set out to focus on how we think about technological innovation society in the future while exploring some intriguing but by no means comprehensive developments along the way. And by drawing on the imagination and creativity of science fiction movies, I hope this book achieves this. It may not teach you how deep learning works or the intricacies of CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing, But the journey it covers, starting with Jurassic Park and de-extinction and ending with contact and the search for extraterrestrial life, has hopefully left you with a new appreciation of how science and technology intersect and intertwine with society. And how, working together, we can help use this to build a future that everyone benefits from. The Moviegoer's Guide to the Future is based on the book Films from the Future, The Technology and Morality of Sci-Fi Movies, and is read by the author Andrew Maynard.